Welcome back to the Respect the Drive podcast. I'm Tedward, and we're here at the new home, the new podcast studio at Garage 42 in Acton, Massachusetts. Garage 42, as you know, as a viewer of the channel, is where I store my cars. I now have a fleet of four. I don't know if we can call four a fleet, but that's close enough for me. I am not one of the wealthy people with 14, 15, 16 cars. So let's call it my fleet because on my level, this is where we're at. But instead of the beautiful and quite competent building that was in Woburn, Massachusetts, still in Woburn, Massachusetts, but now there is a 20 thousand square foot storage facility in Acton. And it's not just a storage facility. There's full detail bay, full wash bay. There's going to be PPF. There's going to be service. They have hunter mounting wheels, tires, balancing, all the stuff and quad stackers for miles. Okay. Maybe not miles, but there are 47 quad stackers in this building. I'm looking out over them right now. Eventually, we're going to get this podcast into some video space. We'll put it on YouTube and all that stuff. But for right now, we need to get this done before 2023 ends because I have not recorded anything since January. And most of that reason was because I was just dying to get into this space. Finally, a proper studio that is not in my basement. I don't have to invite strangers to a weird basement, turn off my furnace to keep the audio levels good, and offer them seltzers while I tell people upstairs to keep the TV down. No, we're in a dedicated space. This is the real deal, and I'm looking at my Porsche and my M5 and the Team Champagne Ninjas fleet, the Depreciation Society fleet, out the window. This is maybe going to be the coolest podcast space I've ever seen. I'm very excited. And today, to kick off the reimagination, the rebirth of the Respect the Drive podcast, I have my special guest, special in so many ways, Eddie Siegel of the Acuity Racing Team. He's also sponsored by Ren Scott. He's sponsored by Eurotechnatic. He has been driving his little ass off at grid life events in his fk8 civic type r and doing quite well he has his own podcast called the backseat drivers starring him and uh, our friend devin i don't know devin's last name eddie what's devin's last name I'm blanking on it. You don't right even now. know it. No, this no, is I your do know it. No, here's the here's the sad part. Devin AMG is what he's in my phone. <laughs> no, so so his last name is Herndon. 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 But I always mispronounce it, so I try not to even say it. <laughs> so, and then there's also the fact that there's a Devin who's a girl who also races in grid life. Okay. So when I first started getting this into grid This is the life, worst story I've ever heard. We're, we're going to okay. end it here. We're going to end, end it there. there. Fine. But here's the thing. you If, if you want to hear about Eddie's like grid life racing, you want to talk about like really what's in depth about like nerdy the track shit. Nerdy track yeah. shit and all the grid life stuff. Great. You already know about backseat drivers. You can hunt that down. But on today's podcast... I want to talk about the logistics that has gone into us getting to these places because we have had the most fun this year. And I know when I say like, oh, let's talk about logistics on a podcast. God, that sounds boring, but it's not because our friend David, who is the the proprietor, the owner of Garage 42 and Renscott, RS Pro, Overland Concepts, all these great little businesses that we work with, he got a toy that made hauling the cars to all of these tracks so much a easier, I think, and way more fun. And somehow with some real man math, cost effective because we don't need to get hotels. He bought, he bought a Freightliner Cascadia toter home. It has a Detroit diesel 15.6 liter engine. It's a an inline six with a big old snail on it. It makes 2,000 pound feet of torque. And for whatever psycho lawless bullshit reason we are legal to drive this thing i'm we drive semi trucks it's 78 feet long it has a 44 foot three car hauler on the back and it's got two stories so you go watch the freightliner videos you can see what yes. it's like to drive it it's got a 12 speed automatic gearbox it is a semi truck by Right, I mean, it's it's bigger than some apartments in Boston and New York. Now, David, who's sitting right next to me right now, so I'm just going to say everything I would say to his face anyway. Um, when he comes up with ideas, a lot of times we go, "Uh huh, that's great, David. Good job, honey." And we kind of just like ignore what he's doing. And then sometimes he rolls up and pulls an air horn, and we go, "Oh my god, he did it!" And he bought this fucking monster. Pardon my French, but this is a fucking monster. I'm going to stop you there for a second because I just want to say that 
this isn't all his fault. I have some responsibility. <laughs> it's mostly his fault. It's mostly David's fault, but I have some responsibility to uh, come up with the initial idea of this. Um, and it all started from the night or the day that we were at Watkins Glen sitting under the Porsche in the pouring rain trying to push it into the trailer. That's right. That was a rough day. So I remember I came home from the airport. David picked me up in a in in the in one of the cars and we went to we went to Renscott, we went to the old Garage 42 in Woburn. We had a, a nice a nice F350 Super Duty, uh, a nice enclosed trailer. We drove it out to Watkins Glen. So it was like the longest night ever. It sucked because I flew like from California, landed, and then drove six and a half hours to Watkins <laughs> Glen. So it was like the, the wor- it was like the worst night of driving. And I had the last stint of that trip too. And I'll tell you, that was I was like asleep at the wheel. Like that was one of the most dangerous drives I've done in a long time. Like not proud of it, but did it. Whatever. We got there. And then that grid life event w- rained the whole time. Like, that was terrible. And I was trying to sleep in the F-350, not very comfortable. I tried to sleep in the back of your Durango, not very comfortable. It was the first grid life event I had been to. And so a lot of people who normally I would like go hang out, they were all excited. They're like, oh, hey, let's like, I would love to see you. And I'm like trying to play nice, but I had nothing left in the tank. But long story short, we, we had like these Airbnbs. It was fine. But um, the event was kind of a nightmare in the rain. Oh, absolutely. And then the logistical nightmare of having multiple trailers, multiple vehicles, you know, storing everything, forgetting things like that's the biggest thing that I've come to the like, I used to forget things all the time, like whether it was something little like a a charger or something big like my laptop. Well, it's easy to forget things when you have to take them out of things all exactly. the time. Exactly. And when you have the ability to be like, oh, well, like if you if you have a workshop, it's like, well, my, all my tools are here. Mm-hmm. And you're not constantly taking them in and out and in and out. But now with this toter home, everything lives in the toter home. Like it has its own tools. It has its own compressor. There were some growing pains where we realized like, oh, shoot, we like forgot like an adapter for one of mm-hmm. the air jack systems, stuff like that. But like nice enough at Grid Life, people usually had that stuff. But Here's what I want to get into today because we we had to drive this thing. And I remember when you brought it to the shop and we first saw it, I was kind of kind of I was really intimidated by this truck. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a 18 wheeler. Like well, I mean, when you stand in front of it, you I don't think I I don't think my head goes to the top of the grill. I mean, it's, it's a straight huge. up semi truck. It's a semi truck. When you open up the owner's manual, it's not like, "Oh, welcome to your RV." No, it's a, a Freightliner owner's manual just 18 wheeler yes. manual like yeah now before i get into what it weighs and all this stuff um i want to talk about the first time each of us drove it so the first <laughs> time i drove it david had pulled it out of of Woburn, which is like some you know narrow-ish roads to get it to the highway to get to where we needed to go we got onto the mass pike if you don't know the mass pike it's the east west highway that runs across the entire state eventually goes into new york goes up to buffalo basically um i my first stint in the in the Freightliner was David. David drives it to the Mass Pike. We're in bumper to bumper traffic, and then he just goes, "Okay, you want to drive?" And I'm like, "Sure." And he got up. Yep. He just got up, and I'm like, "Are you out of your mind?" And then I just we hot swapped. I mean, granted, the car the truck was stopped. We were yeah. in bumper to bumper traffic. This isn't like we were going 60 miles an hour, but we did. I got in the vehicle and then he, I could, I didn't know where like the seat adjustments were. <laughs> so he's, he's adjusting my seat. This is all on camera. I did not publish this because I'm like, this is not a good look um, for YouTube. YouTube commenters, if you do anything wrong, you're a moron. And if you don't do anything crazy enough, you're a pussy. So w- which is which? But anyway, hot swap. And then I think I drove the entire way to New York because we or New Jersey. We drove to New Jersey on that one. You drove up until the New York, New Jersey border. And then I took over. I don't think you drove it that night. Yeah, did I did. Because I did? drove it because remember the highway, there was a backup. So I was the one who drove off the highway on oh, those tiny little back roads yes. in the middle of the night. Okay. Yeah. So the number one thing, like growing into this truck was really wild because we're like, now I'm driving a semi truck and I have good, I, I, I will say, I'm not trying to be cocky. I think I have really good lane etiquette. I think I'm a good highway driver. I think I'm a pretty intensely, by the book, generous, courteous <laughs> highway driver. Okay. And I had the the moment this, it happened really fast, but in the first like 10 or 15 miles of driving this, there was like another car hauler, like the kind of car hauler that you see taking new cars with like the double decker exposed kind of thing with like eight or nine cars on it, yeah. driving onto the Mass Pike. And I, I, I moved over to the middle lane. I let him get on. 
I passed him and then I got back over. And then when he passed me, he gave me a thumbs up because he was like, hey, thanks for like the space, right? And I, this is all on video. That was the moment I was like, I'm a trucker. I'm destined for this. I loved it. And that was when I, th- I thought, this is like my favorite. I love, love this truck. This is the greatest thing I've ever driven. I was so happy and I didn't know how to communicate this because I drive everything. I drive all kinds of wild sports cars and stuff, but this Freightliner changed my life. It's, it's completely different and just as exotic as driving the LFA. I but just in completely. I agree. Ways. I agree. And, and there were like rewarding moments that I didn't know would happen. So do you remember? We got off the, we got, we did get on the GW bridge. So I'm driving through Manhattan oh essentially. Gosh. And then we drive, we get on the, G, I had to cross like five lanes to get into the right lane. And, and I did it. And I have, I have done a lot of wild, cool things in cars on racetracks and wherever off road. I don't know that I've ever felt a sense of accomplishment quite as large as navigating nighttime GW bridge traffic in this thing. So, so I, I just want to give a little bit more context to this. So we're, if you've ever been on the GW bridge for a normal vehicle, it's sketchy. It's already terrifying. Bridge. You're going up these tiny little off ramps. This thing is so long. You basically can see the beginning of the corner as you're making the, the yeah, you have to snake up yeah. these, these, these like, um, cloverleaf type turns. And that means you got to put the front of the truck all the way on the outside of the turn. So the trailer doesn't scrape the jersey barrier on the yeah. inside so like when you look to your left out your window you can see the the trailer because it was that tight of a turn <laughs> yes. so we get onto this and it's basically bumper to bumper like nobody was letting anybody in no and you and i were both like what do we do and you're just like i'm gonna go for it and you just started turning and and you're in such a big vehicle people have to stop they can't not stop they don't have a choice we're blocking essentially the gw bridge i do think that people are oddly courteous with this thing because it it is so large and imposing and if you start to make the move like if you just kind of insinuate that like i'm yes my blinker is on but also yes i'm actually gonna put a front wheel across this dotted line people are like what are they gonna do yeah you are a monster like they can't so you do get some courtesy and there's just this really nice sensation when someone gives you a flash behind now we keep in mind there's no visibility out of the rear of the truck physically but there is a camera on the rear of the trailer that faces down and that is really good because i can look up above me above the windshield i have a a monitor and that shows me that screen Mm -hmm. which is super helpful because i've got great big mirrors on the side and i can see who's next to me but then i can tell that i've actually passed a vehicle so when i do make like a pass I can make that pass, look up, confirm that that vehicle is in fact behind the trailer and then move over, which is very helpful because 78 feet is a long way back. It's not the easiest thing to see. But in those scenarios, when you're in like that bumper to bumper traffic, people are like more forgiving than if you were in a sports car. They like, no one's going to let you in in your car, but they do tend to kind of let you make some moves because at the end of the day, if I have to stop this thing, I can stop traffic for as long as I want. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, beep all you want. You got to let me in. Yeah, yeah. But it was a smooth transition. I mean, it's all on video. It's on that first video that we did with it. And I think that's like one of the coolest things I've ever done in a vehicle. I, yeah, I mean, it was like one of those moments where it's like, this is real. And I'm actually succeeding in the whole truck driving lifestyle. So not all of it was like beautiful. Not all of it was great because... So we get to we get to the grid life event. Now we're like learning to live in our new camper. We're learning to use our trailer. We ended up with a flat tire, our uh, deflating tire because we picked up what was like oh, a right. railroad. I it was huge. Forgot about that. Which David found that day. We like we 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 got there late at night. We camped out, and in the morning he just did a walk around. David did a walk around of the truck, and he heard a hissing sound, and. It was the it was one of the three axles, one tire on the three axles in the rear, and it was deflating. Amazingly, we had like forty eight hours to get it fixed, so he just called a tire repair, like a truck tire repair, which, by the way, is not some Joe Schmo in a in a in a no. pick, in a in a flatbed that comes and changes your like you know Explorer tire. No, these dudes like holy shit, what an operation! Yeah, um, they had everything, and they had the device to big take air the tire up. Yeah, the air jacks. Yeah, I mean they lifted our our trailer, so. Before, again, I'm going to get to the weight of this thing in a minute because I think it's a big deal. But I do want to talk about one big, almost 
major mishap that we did not communicate, I think, on the YouTube channel, because this is a story that haunts me to this day. We were driving home and we have a Garmin GPS that's specifically for trucks. And the goal of this Garmin is you put in the weight, the dimensions, and all the stuff about your truck. So that way, it will show you where you can and cannot go because this is a, I'll just say the weight, it weighs 69,000 pounds. It's a 35-ton truck, essentially. So all in, it's 35 tons. 35 tons, which means like whenever you look at a road sign over most bridges, 34 and 35 are the highest numbers they go to. Like when you see what that is, that's that's it. We are the big boy. We are the limit of most bridges. We're also, we measured 13 and a half, 13, 13 feet, six inches is what David and one of his guys measured. Now they did leave, they, 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 they were generous about that in terms of they made it so 13, like if you went under something that was in fact 13.6, we would have some clearance. But I didn't know that. And also I had measured it. So I was, you know, we just have it written on the dashboard. It's 13, 13.5 feet, uh, which is 13 feet, six inches, right? Um, we, we get on 95. We're driving 95. We're going through New York. And suddenly I'm starting to see bridges that say like 12.9 or 13-1. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, David, David. Now David's in the back cooking. Okay. David's on the, on the air fryer, his favorite thing in the world. This dude, nothing can bring him more joy than a fucking air fryer. Than mac and cheese balls. That boy loves some arancini. (laughs) And if you make fun of the air fryer, he goes, then fine, you don't get any fries. Like you want to eat? You better be nice to my air fryer (laughs) anyway. So he was so excited. He got three of them. Got three by accident. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But we get to this bridge. And so now I'm like, okay, we can fit under this. We can fit under that. Not to mention, I'm next to all these other big trucks. And I can tell that some of the trucks are taller than me. So if I see a bridge and I see another Mack truck go under it, like, I'm not that worried. I get, I'm get. i driving. I've been driving for maybe two hours. We, sw- we hot swapped on the GW bridge and bumper to bumper traffic. And I'm cruising. And then I see it. And I saw a bridge, and I I want to say it said eleven nine. I think it was right on. Yeah, I think it was eleven. I think it yeah. was eleven nine. Now I wasn't scared when I saw the twelves because I had seen twelve six. We cleared it. Mm-hmm. I had seen like twelve four. We cleared it. I'm like, okay, they really gave us some leeway on whatever this little thing says. But then I saw the number eleven, and I'm like, bro, I don't know. This is bad, and so I stopped. Yeah. Now luckily we were in some traffic, but on the right lane I stopped. And here's the thing. Suddenly, I stopped seeing trucks, and I'm like, "Oh my god, did I make the mistake? Did yeah. I did I not take a turn that I absolutely should have taken a turn like a mile ago?" And all I wanted to see was a big old car hauler like blast through under this bridge, but I didn't see it, and there was nobody but cars. And I'm like, "Oh my god, we fucked up." Big, 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 because there's nowhere to go. There is no, we're, we're also, none of us are that good at reversing this thing. David's the best of us, yeah. but none of us are reverse three miles down an off ramp or reverse three miles down. Like that's not, we can't do it. We need, we need a, we need a Chinook to come in here and separate the vehicle and, and fly it somewhere. Like we're fucked. We're like GTA fucked. And so I stop and I'm like, all hands on deck. You know, David runs up and he looks and he just looks at the number because we're just staring at this number on the bridge and we're all like, oh my God. And it's really weird when you're looking at an 11 and then I'm looking on the dashboard and I see 13. I'm like, we can't get under this. So we have walkie talkies because part of what we need to be able to do is like communicate when we're moving this thing and blah, blah, blah. So David grabs a walkie talkie and in typical David fashion, he kind of like mumbles something to me and just leaves the truck mm-hmm. in the middle of the highway. Like he gets out of the vehicle. And I'm like, where did he go? What's he doing? And I thought he was going to go look or whatever, but I don't know what's going on. And so then I got my walkie talkie and I'm listening to him and he's going, okay, go. And I'm like, I don't want to go. Cause I think I, I'm like, where are you? I'm so afraid that now I'm going to run over one of my best friends in the highway. Like this will be the most catastrophically stupid event ever <laughs> that I've now killed or injured David while I am driving a vehicle that I have no business driving for like the second time. And I'm going to get it wedged and stuck under this bridge and we're going to be arrested. We're going to be fined. This is going to be the worst. Like it will just be like the, the biggest dumb, dumb story in the world. And then 
David's like, go, go start crawling forward. And I'm like, where are you? And he goes, I'm on the ladder on the toter home. And I'm like, so that means that he has climbed the ladder on the back of the semi truck, essentially between the trailer and this and the toter home. And he's on like the roof, like looking, like peeking up off the roof. And he's like, just drive slow. So I'm driving slow and he's got his little head popped up over that. And I can see him in the mirror a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, he's riding the rails, man. He's like a hobo riding a train and I'm crawling (laughs) through this bridge and he goes, okay, you're going to clear it. You're going to clear it. Now, as we're like halfway under this bridge, that's when a car hauler with like nine cars goes Whoom! and he's clearly bigger than us so i'm like okay this is a mislabeled bridge yeah fuck new york this is a mislabeled bridge and then i googled it much later found out this is a thing people this is i'm not the we're not the first people who have had this issue we're not the first people who have gone under this terrified thinking oh my god i'm on i-95 and i can't fit like a normal size semi truck in here so anyway, I see that going. Now I'm like, okay, we're definitely clear, but I've also got to get David off of the back of this thing. So we we clear the whole thing. And at the end, I just stop again. He climbs down the ladder, gets back in and we continue on. Yep. But I've never been so scared in my life. Yeah, that was a, a butt pucker moment for sure. It, I wish, I, I don't wish I could say this. I, I, I want to say like, it was a learning experience because but the thing is, we took this so seriously. Like, I never, in a, never did I look at this truck and take it for granted. Never did I look at this truck and say, like, we belong in this truck. Never did I look at this truck and say, like, oh, yeah, just wing it. Let's go. Like, everything we do, the se- before you set off in this thing, every time, I have a million questions to the mm-hmm. point where you and David usually look at me like, just shut the fuck up and drive it. But I'm like, I need to know before we wedge ourselves in somewhere like a tick. Because once you do that, you're so screwed. You can't make a wrong turn. You can't make a wrong turn. It's really hard to like reverse a mistake. And we've had to a couple we times. We had to a few times where I didn't think we were going to be able to get out. Like, um, I think it was when we were leaving. We let, you know, Mark had to show up with the food. <laughs> we forgot the ribs. Forgot the ribs. <laughs> okay, so we pack a whole, when we go somewhere, we pack like a ton of food. And David went to the grocery store. He bought like, he bought, he, he, does, David does a really good catering service when we go to these <laughs> events. For two reasons. One, I think David likes to, um, I think he likes to feed his friends. I think he likes to cook for people, even though he does more of his share than he should. And we need to, we need to do more cooking. Um, I do think that he gets a lot of satisfaction out of like making a meal. Two, David's a hungry, hungry boy. He is. And he's not going to settle for granola bars and Gatorade. So at the end of the day, like if, if he's in charge of, yeah, while he's like literally sitting in front of me eating donut holes, he's a disgusting the human being what what you eat on a daily basis and the way you look makes no fucking sense to me i you have three more years of this before you are like a 400 pound scotsman (laughs) shopping with this is crazy so okay this is why this needs to be a video podcast soon can't buy a kilt he's gonna have to buy a blanket so we set off for (laughs) we set off for ohio or something and he he had bought all this food, but he left it in the refrigerator of Renscott. And so we, we made it like three miles down the road and realized, shit, the food's not in the in the refrigerator. And that meant that he, and you can't, we can't, you can't turn, turn around. Yeah. We can't turn around. So we had to call people who were there and they drove it out to us. We parked in a, a large church parking lot and they brought us the food, which was great. But I guess all to say is that like the, we have the dream toter home. We have the dream setup. We can fit three cars in it. Um, we can fit, we sleep four of us very comfortably in the, in, in the thing. And we have a really great air conditioned trailer, air conditioned space. Like it's amazing in the summer when we're in a, in a racetrack that is uncomfortable. And yet there are still big limitations because there's times when I like we're driving somewhere and I'm like, God, this would be so much easier if it was just like an F-350 in a, in an open trailer. Because if you screw up in that, you can disconnect it in like a heartbeat. I have no idea how to take this trailer off of the gooseneck. We learned when we were at um, Laguna. I'll have to show you. It's it's fairly easy. Okay. It just takes a little bit. Good. But it's fairly easy. Um, uh, so I can no show one, you that. No one trained us. I learned everything I knew from the internet on YouTube, like watching people yeah. drive these things. I learned. Um, I didn't trust David for 
I want to say a month when he told, because he bought it and we looked like when I saw it, I was like, we cannot legally drive this. Well, yeah, you and I kept saying, dude, you need to ask the state police. This We can't drive this. Because his insurance company was saying, oh, it's insured as a, a, a recreational vehicle. Or uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, an, it's RV. an RV. It's a passenger. Ve- it's not even an RV. It's a passenger vehicle in the state of New Hampshire where it's registered. And then the insurance company was like, you're fine. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't really care what your insurance agent says. What happens when we get pulled over? on a major highway and they and they look at my class d driver's license and go you idiot and arrest me yeah like like the biggest fear i always had was like we'd be driving everything be fine and then all of a sudden like the cops would swarm us and be like you blew by a way station (laughs) but boy what's crazy is we're not a commercial vehicle this is not commercial so when you go to the way stations the way stations are for commercial vehicles which is wild commercial vehicles over two and a half tons Two and a half tons is like nothing. That's like what a normal car is now. Like, especially an electric vehicle is like two and a half tons. If you have a Hummer, I guess, with the commercial plates, you have to stop. That's five tons. That's like, that's almost five tons. That's crazy. So with this, we don't have to, but we did take it. So David then takes it to, or he doesn't take it. He goes to, um, he he basically cold calls a state police barracks. He goes to a, a mass state police barracks, which is local to Acton. And he, he goes in there with a picture of the truck. And he's like, excuse, you know, David's very like soft-spoken. I think a lot of people think like, oh, he must be like this big dick swinging guy if he's like got all this shit. Like, no, he's like very sweet and very like, hi, um, I, uh, I have this. Is this a good David impression? I've got this uh, truck and I'm just curious if um, I just wanted to double check that it's legal for us to drive it. And so they're like, sure, sure, sure. Show us a picture. And he shows the guy a picture and the guy's looking at him like, <laughs> what? You oh you you but because I can picture him driving up there, looking the way he does right now, just like his little his little Lululemon pants. He's got his he's got his pullover and his like in his running shoes, right? And then he's like, I bought this uh, this truck, and so he's probably thinking like, oh, all right, you bought like an F three fifty, and he looks at this thing, and every time I show a picture of this truck to somebody, they look at me like that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So the guy's like, let me go check the truck guys because they have a truck department like the DOT truck mm-hmm. cops, right? And he he goes away for a little bit and he comes back and they're like, yeah, you're legal as long as it's not like hired and all this stuff. Just make sure you put not for hire on the vehicle and stuff. And he's like, okay. And so that was the thing. When he did that, that's when I was like, okay, I'll drive it. I'm yeah. okay driving. He, we're on the insurance. We're on everything. It's fine. Um, but it is just such a massive responsibility to drive this thing. So I think also you didn't mention that. when First thing, we didn't believe him that he bought it. For a good like couple of weeks, we were like, uh-huh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, I the first one he was looking at was like a 1980s oh, Peterbilt God. thing or Kenworth <laughs> or something. I sent him that off of an Instagram post. It was an 18-speed manual. Yeah, it was an old Peterbilt that they'd converted to a toter home. And that was when we discovered this was even a thing. Because mm-hmm. he was like, can you believe this is real? And that's when we were like, wait a minute. And then we kind of then he kind of discovered the Super C class and was like, oh, this is a thing. Yeah. And we were like, oh, my God, this is a thing. They make these? And that blew my brains apart. I couldn't it's, believe it. It's crazy that there it's such a small niche product in a group of people that are willing like to to get something like this. I think it's crazy yeah. that it even exists. Well, the other thing is learning to drive it. It's one thing to just get used to the size of a vehicle. It's another thing to be like how does it rev? When does it shift? How much fuel are you going to use going mm-hmm. up and down these big hills? Um, not to mention the fact that like you do not want to use the service brakes on these vehicles. Like the point of these trucks is to use the engine braking. And there's three stages of engine braking. It's on a little stock on the right. And it, it, it like you're going downhill, you're going to start carrying momentum. And the thing is limited at 70 to 75 miles an hour on throttle. So once you hit 75 and you floor it, nothing happens anymore. It cuts power, but it can still roll beyond 75 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So you've got to use the engine brake and you can select one, two, or three, depending on the intensity of what you want. So I learned pretty quick how to use this and feel comfortable like maintaining a speed, maintaining 65 to 70 miles an hour and never using the service brakes. Because the thing is, when you're in a 69, 70,000 pound rig, those brakes, you don't want to wear them out. You don't want to add heat. You don't want and you definitely don't want to be in a position where you have like you're just riding them because if they do eventually overheat or something, you're screwed. Now you might need to actually stop at the bottom of that hill and you've got nothing left. So you learn how to do all this. Every trucker in the world is like, okay, yeah, 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 we know. But remember, this is a rear wheel drive vehicle. So if you use those, it's only slowing you with those rear with that rear axle. Mm-hmm. And that means that in the wet, 
in ugly conditions, if you slam it into like the top mode, you can actually like essentially lock up those rears. That's how you jackknife a truck. Yeah. So there's fear involved too, because we're like, how do we get used to this? Eventually it became a big puppy dog and I just learned to love it. You by, by mid Ohio, you, cause I took over for a little bit during Ohio and you knew when the transmission was going to upshift. You were like, okay, what's this? Cause when you first drive it, 45 miles an hour feels terrifying. Yeah. When you need, when I'm like, dude, it's fine. I promise it yeah. won't tip over. Cause it feels like it's tip over. It, it, it has the weirdest feeling because there is no feeling <laughs> like you have no feeling in the steering, the brakes, there's no feeling cause it's air. And the only thing you can feel is how slow it is because when you hit the gas pedal, it does nothing. Nothing. So it is a little unnerving the first time you're getting up to speed and you, you feel like you're going fast and you look down, you're going 40. What was it like the first, or all right, either the first time or like, what was it like for you to get behind the wheel of this? Because you drive, I mean, you're, you're a driver, like you, you're, you're literally a race car driver and this could be nowhere close to that. And what was it like when you got behind the wheel of this thing for the first time, pushed your foot on the accelerator and then looked in a mirror and realized what was behind you? I'll tell you it, the first 20 minutes for me was just trying to make sure I didn't run anyone over. That's the first, the first bit is like, I'm terrified of staying in my lane, (laughs) making sure I don't run over a family. It's wide. It's very wide. You have to make minute corrections with a steering wheel that does nothing for a third of it. (laughs) And, and so, so that is going through my head. But once you get in sort of, like you said, a groove. So after like, I would say within the first hour, it was just like driving anything else. You get used to the steering or the lack thereof. You get used to the brakes. You get used to the the accelerator. But the biggest thing that I learned from you in just doing it is you have to prepare for whatever maneuver you're planning on doing miles in advance. Yeah. And whether that's slowing down, whether that's speeding up, whether that's getting off. It's not like you can just wait until you see the exit and get off. You have to look and see, okay, well, if we're getting off in a mile, we should probably get into the far right lane a quarter of a mile away because you don't know what can happen in front of you and there's no room for error if someone cuts in front of you that's it that's it you're going straight you're You're going you're they're done it's done you you missed it that you lost your shot best of luck um so that's something that i had to really take into consideration because as you know we're just used to driving normal cars on the road and we and we make stupid moves where you're like oh i could probably get a few more cars up here on this exit like let's just blast yeah and then you oh weasel my way in here can't do that can't do that so so that was the thing that i had to really take in and learn and and a lot of it is just respecting the truck respecting the road and respecting the people around you because you cannot fuck up no you have to because and you feel this sense of responsibility because you're like if not only if i screw up it, it 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 could impact like the drive it could kill someone. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're not respecting yourself behind the wheel of anything, there's a big fucking problem. A big problem. That being said, a 70,000-pound 18-wheeler <laughs> that's longer than most tractor trailers and taller than most tractor trailers, you learn a lot about respect really fucking quickly. It's so crazy. So I think you bring up a really good point. It's like preparing for things. Um, you really do have to think ahead. And it's not just for making your exit. It's like... If you want to conserve fuel in this thing, because remember you get, we were probably pushing six, maybe six miles per gallon in this has 300. It's a, is a 300 gallon tank, David? What was the, what is it? 150? 250. No, it's 150. I think it's 150. It's 150 gallon tank. Yeah. And you got good at it. I got good at it because I learned how to like, okay, stay off throttle here. Mm -hmm. Don't push it here. If I'm going to climb a hill with the, with, when it's fully laden going up a hill, you are going to lose 10 miles an hour. Like if you were cranking, if you were cranking in a straight line at 70 and then the hill, there's a hill coming up, you're not doing 70 up that hill. You're probably doing 60. And that also means that if you are climbing a hill and then suddenly you're like chugging away at 60 and there's this car in front of you doing 45, you need to think about this way ahead because if you lift, you're, it's it. It's over. You're not getting that speed back. You need to be like, okay, look, I see what's up ahead a thousand a quarter mile ahead of me i already know i'm making this lane change to maintain momentum the whole game is maintaining momentum this is the the it's so wild that in a truck that i'm getting six miles per gallon in this is the most hyper miling experience i've ever had in my life yeah i can't even (laughs) like literally what you said so i think when i drive that truck 
I would go as far as to say it is just as difficult, if not more difficult, than driving a really fast car at high speed. I mean, the the amount of thinking you have to do mentally ahead of time and just figure out, okay, I need this and that, is just as hard as heel towing into a corner at 120. It really is. And it's... I remember thinking in my head when we started doing this whole Toter Home thing of that Top Gear episode when they drove the trucks years ago. And like... The beginning of the episode, they kind of took it, oh, this is so funny. But then like midway to the end of the episode, you could tell they were like, this is not easy. This is really difficult. And we need to give these people a lot more credit because it's not like you're, it's like people are like, oh, but it's just a bigger vehicle. Yes, it's physically bigger, but because of the weight and the length, you can't just do a normal car's, you know, you can't drive it like it's a normal vehicle. So like when you're behind the wheel of this thing, you... You need to spend all of your attention, what little brain power you have, you need to spend it onto that, on whatever you're doing, because that's the only way you're going to be able to get decent gas mileage, make it up hills without looking like a total jerk off with your hazards on yep. at 25 miles an hour. Because like you said, if you, if you like, that's something I learned when we were in Ohio, there's these big hills. And if there's cars, even at the valley... You're fucked. Yeah, because you can't slow down. You can't slow down. You can't slow down because you need to stay at seventy. So that to way make you can get up. up the hill. The next one. Yeah. Um. So like, if you're if you're down there, that's why when you see truckers going up hills with their hazards on, that's because they fucked up. Yes. And also, you know what this has done for? So there's a couple things. Number one, I a understand the pride that truck drivers have for what they do and their rigs because. I fell in love with this truck. Like the way, you know how sometimes in Top Gear, like Hammond will fall in love with one of his cars Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, fuck off. Like it's a, yep, you had this little montage experience. No, I fell in love with this thing. It's my little buddy. This is like a dog. It's a puppy to me. I love this truck so much and it makes me so happy. And I just, it's such a weird thing because every time I see it, I'm like, oh God, what an undertaking. Every time I'm driving it, I am like, I might as well have this truck tattooed on me. I love it. Big. Uh, Yeah, and it says big on the door. Uh, We got to get our own names on that fucking thing. But here's the thing. (laughs) I get that. And then the other thing is I it opened my eyes to infrastructure because every every one of us drives cars. We drive maybe SUVs or sports cars or whatever. You pull off an exit, you you don't think anything of it. Maybe we're like, oh, I like this exit because it's got a good turn or an S-turn. Or what now we know is that they're all designed for this. Mm-hmm. Everything on an interstate is designed for this truck to get there, including the rest stops, including the fuel stops, including everything. It's insane. And suddenly you're like, oh, that's why everything is designed a certain way. That's why there's a 25 mile per hour warning on, on this exit that i take at 75 in my honda yet in this truck i'm like ooh, that says 20 we need to bring it to 15 and suddenly you're like cranking at 15 miles an hour being like ooh, i'm glad i looked at that sign i i look at states differently now because i rate them based off of their infrastructure like massachusetts one of the worst uh come on do you remember you and i going into the okay the fuel stop there's a problem and i'm gonna i want to highlight this now if you are if you have like any sense about you and you've driven at night at past 10 p.m 11 12 1 1 a.m you have noticed that at rest stops there's 50 trucks lined up maybe they just have their like parking lights on they're all sleeping because truck drivers are limited to i think 16 hour stints i don't think they're allowed to drive more than 16 hours at a time so they have to sleep you have yeah. to log that that's a legal thing so that way you don't have like sleepy truck drivers killing people same as pilots right and they line up and there's not enough room so what during the daytime might look like wow look at all these giant empty spaces for all these trucks well that's for 15 trucks when you need when these guys start like stacking up they'll start parking on the breakdown lane up leading up to the rest stops Mm -hmm. and then after the rest stops and all this other stuff but remember there's a fuel stop in there that is for big diesel pumps with giant tall uh ceilings and all that stuff for the for the trucks to go in so they can fill with fuel but what happens is as in the daytime very easy look at all this room we glide in we get our fuel and we glide out at night they line up all these trucks on the side and suddenly what was a giant 
opening, a giant roadway with all this like room to play becomes this narrow nightmare to get your rig into a slot. And me and you, David's asleep. Corey and, and David are asleep. Corey and David are dead asleep. We, I'm like, we cannot make it to, to Woburn and we need fuel. Yeah. So we pull into this fuel stop and I'm like, as we're inching out, I have to make a little bit of a left turn and I'm oh noticing, I'm like, I think I'm going to drag the trailer on a truck. So you get out and check for me. Walkie talkies, thank God, make that. But then I had to, I didn't have, because of that turn, I didn't have a straight shot into the fuel. And if you've ever been to any fuel stop, you might notice that there's like big bollards or concrete barriers that like go up to it. Now, that is to protect the fuel stations. But the reality is if you're coming in at an angle, now I have a trailer that needs to clear that. And I cleared that by inches. You had, yeah, maybe three, four inches to spare. And I didn't know how to reset it. Like we didn't have room to reset. We didn't because was, they were the, the trucks were parked literally on that side. So we couldn't back up. It was horrifying. And I thought, oh my God, we've just driven all the way from mid-Ohio to we were pretty close to home we were we were on the mass pike yeah we, I mean, we had just gone through or maybe 84 or something yeah we were in massachusetts and it, it was like though that's the thing is you could do everything right and your game ending move could be that you overshot a turn or undershot a turn into the fuel stop at two in the morning and that's it that's all that's it and what are you gonna do you now me i'm gonna go wake up a trucker who's on his sleeping stint to tell him that I can't make a turn because dumb, dumb without a CDL, this <laughs> stupid fuck can't get his truck through this thing. I swear to God, I like there were times when I'm like, at least if we really screw up, I bet we could ask one of these guys to maneuver our truck. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and it would be the most demeaning, demoralizing, emasculating experience of my life. But I, you could do it if you really had to. But we managed to scrape by. But those are those things. Is every time you scrape by, you're like, ooh, was it skill or did I get lucky? And it often feels like we were thoughtful, but we got lucky. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a, that was a rough one, too. Because <laughs> all I was thinking was like, you know, you walking up to the, the, the cab of that sleeping trucker and, and being like, hi, excuse me. And then he just opens his window and just fucking nails a piss jug at piss jug 100 percent. i would have earned it too you would have earned the piss jug earned it yeah no so and so i guess the 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 trucking life has taught me a lot it's it's made me a lot more patient with trucks on the highway too though because absolutely. I'm, I'm like oh i think everyone needs to drive one of these so that way everyone drives like less assholes because when you drive one of these you realize how much you kind of need as a give and take from others on the road mm. to safely navigate this shit but what you also realize is just like there's bad drivers in cars, there's a lot of bad truck drivers. And <laughs> yeah. we've seen some shit. Like they're all texting. We've seen truck drivers do some really wild shit. And I'm sure you've seen it normally as a as a as a normal driver. But you know, when you're up there and you're really like, I mean, we sit above we sit above most trucks in this thing. Yeah, we're we're we look just a them. bit. <laughs> yeah, we look. We down do. On we them. literally. <laughs> we're <look> better. <laughs> <laughs> but like, we get complimented though. Like on the GW Bridge, people like tow truck guys literally like pulled up next to us and they were like, "That's the coolest rig I've ever seen." It's it is a wild piece of engineering. This thing. It's because what they do is they take an eighteen wheeler and then they stretch it and they plop an RV right on the back half. It's the craziest it's thing. It's so the world. wild. It's so cool. I love it so much. And I never thought that I would get into this because, for example, I'm starting to really enjoy like just diesel trucks in general. Uh, one of my recent videos, I drove this 97 Ford F350 mm. Power Stroke 7.3 liter turbo diesel. The good one. Five speed automatic uh, manual transmission. It was a blast. That was great. And I, I didn't know how much I missed the sound of the Freightliner because that like when you drive it for eight, nine, ten hours at a time, it you you can't stop hearing it. It's just part of you. It you feel like a World War II B seventeen pilot who like has nightmares and can't stop hearing those engines. Like it literally just stays with you for days. I can like I still hear <laughs> the turbo spooling. It's the best. All you hear is turbo spooling. I love that turbo. It sounds so good. So I'm driving this ninety seven F three fifty and I'm just like oh I feel like cozy in like a blanket right now while I'm driving this thing because it just the sound kind of brought me back to the Freightliner. <laughs> and we by the way I can't believe we didn't say this we have a name for uh, yes. the Toter Home we named it 
the toter tot. It's a toter tot because David likes to cook uh, tater tots in his in his air fryer, and, and we eat a lot of we eat we, we do in fact eat a lot of tater tots in, on the, toter the, tot. in the toter tot. Yeah. So, so we call it the toter tot. Yeah, kind of it, it makes it feel a little smaller, makes it feel a little homier. Exactly, it's our little toter tot. It's it's an awesome awesome machine, and I think now we've also you know something also that that we should probably tell the listeners is we spent at least a month. L- going over the entire rig figuring out how everything worked it wasn't like oh i bought this thing and then next weekend we jumped in and left we spent weeks Remember, I, we would go there we'd look at what we we needed. practiced things we, we practiced just sat things. in it and looked at gauges and yeah. looked things up and and look we did as much as we could without yeah. having like a trained driver come and teach us but like we, we had to go through it. we had to learn how a bunch of stuff worked and because this is like a built out thing not everything is that easy. It's not like, oh, we jumped in our Toyota and these. this is the manual. It's like there's like six manuals in this thing because yeah. there's a truck with an engine. There's um, and then there's the rear stuff and the rear stuff. It's like all the all the RV things where it's like the power supply and how to hook it up to the mm-hmm. diesel. There's two diesel generators on it. How do you swap between like shore power and diesel power? All these switches, all these crazy things. And and it's not like you can just Google like, how do I do this? Because it's like, no, this is a custom made. It's thing. one of one. It's one of one. And, and when you look it up what you come up with is just like the generic owner's manual or or just manual of whatever the device is that you're trying to figure out it doesn't tell you how it pertains to in our situation no. there's nothing that says oh hey here is your microwave um it's also designed to be in a truck no it doesn't say any of that no and there's interlocks everywhere too so it's like oh if this is on then that doesn't work if this is like this then that doesn't work and so like we had to figure out like oh wait if the key is not in the ignition then this doesn't work if the key is on accessory then this does work it's like all this crazy stuff and it just it took a long time i want to just really you're right we need to like put it out there that we did do we as spent, much as we could we really did i don't want to you know make it sound like we just jumped in the thing and said oh here good luck in the gw no, i straight up was like i was like i, I it's the last moment i was like we shouldn't be doing this <laughs> we shouldn't be driving this thing I, and I, we did it was fine i would say by the time we had gotten through the gw i felt fairly confident and then I started driving and I'm like, okay, maybe I spoke too soon. Like, because remember the, the road, like whatever highway we were on, it was shut down. That's and right. And I had to get off on these tiny side roads with Luck- no light. Now, luckily, I knew that already. Yeah, you, again, that GPS came in clutch. me and Corey were the only ones awake on the way home on one of our first trips. And suddenly, like, I-84, like, major interstate, they were, it just said, it just said, I-84 closed. It spoke that to me. And I, and I'm alone in the cab. And this was right after the incident with the bridge. Yes. So we were all on edge. So Corey, you and David were asleep. Corey is doing homework and she heard that. And she walks up and she goes, hey, Tom, did... The GPS didn't just say I-84 is closed. And I was like, Corey, get on the maps right now and see. Get on Twitter. I don't know what's going on. Because I'm terrified now because I've got to navigate maybe some narrow roads or something. Mm -hmm. But luckily, so the thing is, this weird coincidence is that Corey is my number two when it comes to Cannonball. So Corey, <laughs> yes. Corey knows how to navigate bad situations in a time crunch on a road. So when we do our mission, our mission control center for our cannonball team, Corey, I, I look to her a lot for problem solving and, mm-hmm. and being able to cross reference like ways, Google maps, Twitter news reports, like what's really going on. And she, she was able to very quickly gather that they did in fact close i-84 and that we had to get off of i-84 follow some crazy traffic pattern and it was fine but and we knew that the next time but um yeah it's like anytime any there's a wrench thrown in it gets very scary because like i said if you make a wrong turn or if you dig yourself into a hole it's really hard to get out yeah um but yeah i mean you have to learn how to drive the truck operate an rv learn about electrical engineering because it has multiple different uh, electrical systems on it. And you have to know who to ask for help, and it's really hard to know it's sometimes. very hard. Yeah. Um, There's a million systems. Not to mention the whole hydraulic situation with the gate, the lift gate, and all that stuff. Like, yep. It's not like... Yeah, loading cars is scary because you're putting a car on a lift gate. You park it on that. You load it to the ground. You park on the lift gate, and then you, you have an elevator. You elevate the car. Mm-hmm. And... I tell you, it doesn't, it, it always seems a little scary when you got to drive a car that you're 15 feet in the air. And if you go backwards, you run off the ramp. I mean, there are chalks, but like, I don't, I don't want to test those. Yeah. I hope we never have to test those. 
So there's a lot to be, but I do think that respectfully, we've really taken our time to learn it and get used to it. And we always, we don't rush anything. No. And you can't, you can't rush anything. You can't rush anything. Taking this, you know, when we're at the track, when we're ready to leave, it takes a good five hours to disassemble the awning. The awning. That thing was a learning. Oh, that may God. have been the toughest thing from the that beginning. That might have been the most dangerous thing we did. There's a big awning David that comes, flew away. Yeah, well, we basically, the awning is a sail. So it is. It's it, a giant sailboat. And we didn't know really the order of operations to like put this awning on because it's not like a, oh, we press a button and it unfolds. No, you have to like manually like assemble these it's a 40 supports. Foot awning. It's a 44 foot awning. Yeah. And so you got to do this whole thing. And so in the wind, this awning becomes a literal sail. And I don't know about you, but like wind is strong. It's a lot of force. So if you screw this up, it could really do some damage. And so we definitely didn't have our shit together on the first time. Now we know what to do. We're safe about it and we know how to do we it. We have a ladder now too. Yes, the ladder helps. But no, I think um I think I think this thing has been such a, a blessing and it's been a wild experience. I feel really lucky that we've been able to even learn how to drive it. I think this is one of the coolest things I have access to. This is one of the coolest things we do as a friend group. We have the weirdest adventures together. I know. So much fun. And that was the point. That's why David does this because for one, David, he's sitting next to me. He's like one of the most sentimental people I know. And he always wants our little family to be together. He always wants like, oh, this is, I want to spend more time with you guys. Or, hey, like we've all been busy the last couple of years. David's been building a new Renscott building, a new Garage 42. You've been racing. You've got like, you and Corey have been like doing tons of family stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been working nonstop. And I travel for work a lot. So we don't have the what we used to have. Yeah, we used to see each other every day. And this is like our our bizarro world uniting thing that we know when we're going to a race, we're going to spend four or five days together. And it's great. And it's the most fun thing you could so imagine. Much fun. And we have space for each other. Like, I think we all have our own little setup and it works great. And I just, I'm so thankful for it. And it's something that's really fun. And I just, I hope if anyone gets the opportunity to like see one of these things, drive one of these things, experience one of these things, like you're not wrong by being intimidated by it because it's very intimidating, but they are designed to be driven. For sure. I mean, I think anybody that can understand respect and has a little bit understanding of how to drive with a trailer, you could probably figure it out. Yeah. So oh. before we sign off, because I think we're probably we're probably at an hour. Um, mm. Where do you have any final thoughts before we close this out? Before I mean, the fact that we're here recording makes me so happy. The fact that the new Garage Forty Two is above and beyond anything I imagined. Sitting here looking out over this warehouse, warehouse. It sounds so cha- like cheesy to say warehouse because it's not a warehouse. It's like the best facility I've ever seen. But like I'm looking at a fleet of insane cars in a in a building that I. I knew was happening, but I couldn't grasp the size, the 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 fit and finish, the mm-hmm. beauty of it. And it's a nice place. I mean, this is now a clubhouse because if you're a member here, you're not just getting a cool place for your car to live. You can come here and there's, you know, there's there's services, right? And there's a simulator, like a really nice simulator here. So if you're somebody who maybe you store your car here, you're gonna wanna come and 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 test out a track before you go to your track day. You're gonna wanna come here. Maybe you wanna hang out with a couple friends. Maybe you're like, oh, I'm gonna swap cars. I'll have my buddy meet me here. Or maybe you and another member are gonna use this as your home base before you go out for like a good like Sunday drive together. You're gonna go do a little blast up to New Hampshire, Vermont, whatever. Come hang out, gear up, get on those computers, figure out what you're gonna do. Now, also, much more comfortable place during the week if you were like working from home and you're like, oh, I gotta swap cars or I wanna have my car washed. Come here, hang out. You're gonna wanna hang out here. Yeah, I might come here on a Friday and work from here. I mean, we're gonna be doing the podcast yeah. anyway, so I'm thrilled that this is like a cool space to be. It's wild. I mean, I am literally staring at my Camaro. It's the best. It's right there. I know. I can see so, my cars. It's, it's it's like the coolest thing I've ever seen. It is seen. really cool. Um, and uh, yeah. So hit up David. Or actually, don't hit up David. Do not. Don't, don't, don't hit him up. You'll never get anything from him. Go to Sean or Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> go to, go to the, the website. Go to the, do not say hi to David. He'll go, who are you? <laughs> and say, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then go to he Sean or Edwin. Yeah. <laughs> who are you? So, what? Oh, hey. Um, yeah, David has too many things on his mind. And he's usually not even thinking about this. He's thinking about rockets because he's a fucking nerd. Yeah. Am I, am I wrong? No, you're not he's wrong. He's smiling right now because he's like, oh, I'm pr- uh, wait, what's on his computer right now? 
It's a it's a spreadsheet about his favorite rockets. He's so, just he's so ranking his favorite rockets. <laughs> I, I think I, I was here. I think we were here in what like August, May, June, July, August, sometime around. I there. don't know. It was just a shell still. It was. I mean, like I was walking around. There was nothing. No, it was just a dirt floor. Nothing prepared me for this. And then I came back a couple months later, and it's this building, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is real. When you see the roll-up doors, when you see the... There's a moat. There's a river yeah. that is a literal moat yep. that goes in front of this place. And then there's the coolest gate I've ever seen. We need to get... Uh, it's it's so secure that we can't get into it. So nope. this is... <laughs> we need to figure that out. But, like, it's got this great gate. It has presence. It's not... It. I mean, it's hard to describe because when you walk in here, it just feels like... A, like it almost feels like a wedding venue. It feels like, like, uh, uh, it's, it, it's, and it feels like home. It doesn't feel sterile. It doesn't feel like a gross, like commercial space that you're just like, Oh God, like you want to be here. You want to hang out here. It is one of the first times. I think there's very few storage facilities that are designed from the ground up for automotive storage. It's not like, Oh, I bought an old Walmart and you know, <laughs> I'm parking my cars on some jack stands. Yep. Um, this was designed from the ground up to solely house vehicles. And they did a fantastic job with everything from the doors to the storage itself. Not to, to the mention stackers. the it's, toter tot can fit inside this building if need be, hopefully which I never have. I to. almost want to see it happen just to see it happen. But I am not going to be the one to back it out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but there's two giant roll-up doors. the The detail bay is insane. I mean, th this is what we just said. Like this was purpose built. Everything was planned. Yeah, and the detail bay is incredible i mean it's, it's the wash bay of your dreams i think what this is, is is a culmination of learning from the previous building and adding in what people want and i think they did a fantastic job and i hope um people enjoy it just as much as you and i do it's the best i so. will we'll be here a lot so you know if you know there are occasionally times when people are like oh i've really wanted to meet you well i'm probably here so, yeah. you know, we can always make that happen. I'm going to have lots of guests on this podcast. I'm excited to have uh, Will Lee, PTSRS, back because his are always his are some of my favorites. I love hearing his stories. But um, for now, I think we're going to sign off. So huge thank you to Garage 42 in Acton, the new home of the Respect the Drive podcast. If you need to store your car, if you need to wash your car, if you need to be part of something... Special. automotive something special this is the place to be this is the club you want to be in reach out the there's links in the the description of the podcast um reach out to sean gill reach out to edwin diaz these are the people you want to talk to these are the people you want managing your fleet or maybe you're just individual car this place also in acton is now much more convenient for a different group of people because the woburn facility is great especially if you kind of live in boston or somerville or cambridge or whatever it's not very far. That's easy. But a lot of people with a lot of cars, if you've got 14 cars, sure, you maybe you do have a big house in Concord or somewhere in central kind of Massachusetts. But the reality is you probably don't have a 12 car garage. And if you do, well, that's your own thing. Good for you. Good job. But if you need to store some stuff, you want to make sure there's no mice going through your cars. You want to make sure that or maybe, you know what, I'll say it. Maybe you're hiding cars from your spouse. I was going to get there. Maybe you have so many cars that when the excise bills come for you in February, like February 1st, and 14, 15, 16 envelopes come to your door, you go to the mail first. You make sure that you're not traveling that week so that way you can grab the mail so your <laughs> wife doesn't see all these envelopes with the purple on it. And she goes, wait a minute. When did you buy five more cars? Look, I'm not saying that this place is built to ruin relationships, to hide things from your spouses. But sometimes we make some decisions. Now, this isn't that bad. You didn't cheat. Everything's cool, baby. You just need to, you just need to secure some shit for a little while. This is the space to do it. And you've already got your other cards here. So you can just go swap them in and out, do the thing. And you've got a great place to be with nice people. Edwin's going to make sure, Ed Ryan is going to make sure your car is clean. Edwin's going to make sure that your car has uh, the appropriate tire pressure and that it's on a battery tender. And sometimes they identify shit. They're like, hey, did you notice this? They'll do your inspection stickers. I mean, this isn't just, hey, we're leaving your car and, and it'll be okay. It's like they manage the fleet. And I don't know about you. I got four cars. It's hard 
It's even f- with four, even with two, it can be a pain in the ass when you're like, ah, oh, it's inspection sticker day or all this crap. They do it all. Yeah. They take care. This is like if you're Jay Leno and you got a hundred cars under one roof, he doesn't do that. He has a team and now you have a team. Now you have a team of people who are looking out for you, who are going, Hey, by the way, your sticker's going to expire. Uh, let me go take care of it. Yeah. Done. I mean, and they're, and they're going to go above and beyond to make sure that you're happy. It's incredible. And it just, it makes car ownership when you have a bunch of them so much better so, so much, much easier. easier i mean i as you very well know you and i are not good at driving some of our vehicles no and since getting involved in this whole establishment i've never thought more about the camaro in the last 10 eight years than i have it's this way year. more fun to know that you're gonna call edwin say hey today's the day baby get that camaro get that porsche ready for me and he goes yes sir you roll up car sitting there clean waiting for you warmed up and i'm off and it's the best thing ever now it's closer to me i like this acton facility for a couple reasons one because it's closer to my house two it's easier to get to the roads going around here are so much quieter it's a nice space you're right off of route two this is like a better for me personally i feel like when I leave this place, I'm not just entering Boston traffic. <laughs> I feel like, ooh, I'm where I want to be. Mm-hmm. I'm in like some nice. So it already had like now when I leave this place, I already have like, ah, I have exactly what I want. I'm in my baby. I'm driving my sports car. I'm driving my M5. I'm driving my 911. Or I'm doing a review and my good friend, Chris Cutie, the Depreciation Society is saying, hey, you know what hasn't been driven in a while? The Rolls Royce Wraith. Why don't you go put some miles on it? Enjoy it. Go up to Maine because he does that and he's the best. Chris, I fucking love you. <laughs> Great. Anyway, we got this is too much. Now we got to sign off for real. Thank you guys so much for watching. You're not watching, listening to this podcast. Reach out to me on Instagram. Reach out to um, Eddie Siegel. Sign up for Garage 42. And if you don't sign up for Garage 42, at the very least, follow their Instagram page because there's always cool shit to see. It's a lot of cool stuff. Car owner's paradise. And I think we're good. So don't forget to respect the drive. And we'll see you in the next one.